Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Fantastic. That's so good. <laughs> we start, a, we start a, a new series uh, next week um, for the autumn called More Than This. And uh, it's, um, it's taken from that scripture where Jesus um, said, um, uh, he's talking about giving in, in uh, Luke's gospel. And he says uh, that um, as you give, it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. And uh, I, I just, you see that there is more in the kingdom of God and we have to learn how to unlock the more that he has for us. Amen. So um, um, next week we start a new series called More Than This. But tonight I want to finish um, on the retrospective series. Um, and uh, tonight's message is very much in theme for what I've been preaching um, for the last two weeks. I've done the last four messages uh, I spoke twice last Sunday and twice this Sunday and will probably be twice next Sunday. After that, you can have a rest and, uh, and we'll get to somebody else. So, but um, tonight I want to speak about um, the problem we have with, with minds that can't see the answers in life, can't see the things that God has got for us, can't see revelation. The basic issue is we have a blind Mind. Now, I've noticed something in life that whatever you understand, that you live in. Whatever you don't understand, that passes you by. And so, there are many areas in life that we like the look of. We see it from a distance. We see, we see a lifestyle. We see a thing. We see, we see something. But because we don't understand it, we can't possess it. Are you with me? Um, I had the privilege uh, a couple of years ago of driving uh, a 200,000 pound Aston Martin for the day, uh, just roaming around Aberdeen, um, generally being legal. And uh, um, it was a beautiful car, right? And I've never particularly had a want to be a millionaire, not in the true I've said before. When you think about what a millionaire has the burden of carrying, I really, you know, who really wants that? And so, but I came home and I said to Cheryl, if there's any motivation to become a wealthy man, and Aston Martin is the motivation <laughs> that all you need. It's such a, it's such a beautiful car, you know? And, and um, I mean, it, it's like a, it's like a, a racehorse. Um, racehorses are incredible horses. They're also a nightmare. They're highly strung and very sensitive and die if you look at them wrong and, and uh, just and, and this is Aston Martin. If you leave it overnight, its battery will go flat. Um, it has to be plugged in. It has to be kept warm. It, it, you know, keep in a nice place. And, and when you go past, say something nice to it because it might just fall apart on you if you don't. But if it's going well, it will roar down the road at close on. The actual car I was driving had a top speed of just over 200 miles an hour. Um, not that I could do that in Union Street. I tried, but... <laughs> And uh, so it, it was just a beautiful car. And, but it was owned by a fella that 
had made himself many millions of pounds, had since retired, and had bought himself a Aston Martin. Actually, not this particular one. He, but when he bought the car, he actually wasn't capable of driving. He had um, some health issues and couldn't drive. So he just bought the car and then lends it to people. Good bloke, hey. Nice bloke to know. And uh, so he actually lent his previous one to somebody else uh, who smashed it up and uh, nearly killed himself in the process. And uh, so I thought to myself, well, I'm going to drive it, but I'm not going to smash it up. And uh, so I was a little bit more careful. But um, it, was, uh, it was a beautiful car owned by a man who had made a lot of money because he lived in a world where that was possible, and it was possible because he knew how to do it. Right? I don't live in that world, and so I don't make any of that money. <laughs> I just look on from a distance, <laughs> going, hmm. You know, yeah, you understand. So, so you only live in the world that you understand. And if you want to live in another world, you have to understand that world to live in it. You can't live in what you don't understand. You can visit places you don't understand, but you don't possess it. You don't have a. We've um, Sharon and I last year we had the joy, um, due to the generosity of this church, of going to Malaysia as part of our 25th wedding anniversary. And uh, we stayed on a five-star resort in a place called Pangor Lao um, on an island. Um, and uh, it was one of those islands, you know, the picturesque. It's got um, those kind of villa places um, on stilts over the sea. And uh, it's just always sunny. And they've got this amazing food and, and golden beaches. I hope I'm rubbing it in. And anyway, and so we're on the island. But we discovered there's another part of the island that... Um, is actually that you're not allowed to go to, and that's where the, the wealthy people go. Um, and uh, on that island, you, you can hire a, a, a villa with a private pool and uh, staff, um, and you have a sort of a helicopter pad. They don't come with the other commoners and use the port like we would. And, um, and they go to this private part, and they have their own beach, and, and they live in that world. Now, we were we had the pleasure of doing seven days on this island uh, and and meeting some amazing people but it was a visitation of which it's not well it's fairly unlikely we'll go again soon (laughs) unless some miracle happens you understand me it's just not likely to happen I'm not going to go back there because it was a it's one of those one-off moments in life you you can visit there but you can't stay there the only people who can stay there are the people who know how to stay there in other words get a job there and uh, <laughs> or, or have the kind of wealth that enables you to go there whenever you like now, it, the actual place we were staying michael schumacher um and f- different family i think tony blair uh and those kind of have stayed on that particular island on those uh, on, on that resort and, and it's, it's a world that some people live in but the rest of us don't because no, we don't live in it we don't live in it because we don't have the knowledge the power, the understanding or the capability of doing that but I bet you that if you did you would go <laughs> you with me here? and you know in the kingdom of God there's a lot more in life now I, I'm just talking about certain sort of dream holiday type Locations, But life is much more about the everyday. It's about um, fulfilling the dreams of your everyday uh, than it is about going on holiday somewhere. It's about being successful. It's about having great marriages. It's about walking with God in a, in a closer way. It's about actually just simply having peace when you wake up in the morning rather than tension. 
It's about the confidence that you know that you're not going to make just terrible mistakes today, that you're going to overcome your weaknesses and your strongholds and you're going to walk in peace and victory, that you know when you wake up that the rest of the day is going to be a great day and you're going to rest your head upon the pillow satisfied with what you've done. It's the knowledge of being able to do those things is, is the things that drive us on in the ways of God who's with me now. And so we have to understand that, that when we are not able to walk in those things, we can't walk in them because our mind is blind to the things that enable us to have them. We just can't see how it works. And it says here in, um, in 1 Corinthians, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Verse 3 to 4, again, this is the uh, NIV uh, version. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 to 4, it says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, this is describing those who don't believe, and if they don't believe, then they can't see what the kingdom has got to offer. In other words, your belief system determines your vision capability, your vision. What you can see is what you can live in. Does that make sense to you? But I've discovered that what you uh, see, that even when you believe, there are still part of your life that still doesn't believe. That you believe and you get born again, but it doesn't mean to say you believe everything. I was raised in a, an environment that taught us to say that we believe the whole Word of God. I believe the Word of God, I just don't believe the whole Word of God. I know that sounds like heresy, but I, I know I don't believe the whole Word of God because the whole Word of God doesn't work in my life. If it did, my name would be Jesus. Last time I checked, it isn't. <laughs> not even close <laughs> and you, you understand me you see we believe but we don't believe and when we, we think we believe you see we think we can see something but so often we struggle to, to get the capability of stepping into it we struggle we can see it but we, can't, we haven't seen in it we, we can see it from a distance but we can't step into it you know if I was to show you a, a, a picture of my house, for those, let's just put your hand up quickly. How many people have been in my house? That's a lot of people here, isn't it? How many people have stayed the night? Joe puts his hands up. <laughs> that's quite a lot too. That's, that's quite, there's a, more of you are welcome. We love having people. Last year, we had over 80 people come and stay in our house in one year. And um, it's 80 different people come and stay uh, in the house and um, we just have a lots of people stay uh, we, we, we had the, the Morrisons come and stay with us um, in July, that's almost 80 in one family and uh, <laughs> that's Owen and Kate from Inverness and their six children and um, so we love having me, so, so if I showed you a picture of our house, for everyone who's been in our house would know what's inside it you would know the house. And the more you've been in it, the more you would know the house. You would see the house and you would understand the content, the layout of the house. You would, 
you would see it, you would know it, and you would understand it. If I said to you, uh, in the bedroom, in the bathroom, up the second set of stairs, none of those things would would be your imagination. All of it would be part of your understanding and knowledge. You would be with me in it. If I asked you to go and get something, so I've left something behind, I've left it upstairs at the top of the stairs, I need you to go and get it for me, you would say, that's fine, I know, because I know where it is. Because you've seen it. For the rest of you, it is just a picture of a house. The rest of the information, I could describe it to you, but because you can't see it, it would purely be your imagination. When you go past a house, you look at a house from the outside, your imagination fills up the inside. You look at it and then how often do, is it that someone says about the house, you've never been there before, when you get there, you step inside, you discover your imagination was incredibly wrong. And you because you couldn't quite picture it. But you know, the kingdom of God is a real place. And the revelation of God is real truth. That when we can see it, we can live in it. But what happens is we can see it from a distance, but we can't quite live in it. And when we can't quite live in it, it begins to frustrate us. It begins to confuse us. There are times in our life when we believe God for things to happen and we thought we'd been in that place of belief, but it didn't happen. And we're confused. Why are we confused? Because our minds are blind to the things that God is doing in around our life. Not just the process, say, of healing, but how God is operating and moving in our life. Does that make sense to you? And so we grow confused. And we grow, there's, a, there's a fascinating story um, in the book of Acts. Uh, Paul has taken, he's gone from Corinth and he's from Corinth and he's taken the gospel to Ephesus. And Ephesus uh, is a mighty city. Um, they worship um, the uh, goddess uh, Art, uh, Artemis and uh, they have this temple there and they have uh, many silversmiths and they sell um, little sort of images of, of the goddess. Um, a bit like going to the Leaning Tower of Pisa, you know, you can buy the tower that's leaning over. And, you know, so everyone's making their little trade on this great little religion. And um, so, but Paul goes there and just literally tens of thousands of people are getting saved. And so much so that a fellow called Demetrius, um, he's... Um, his business is going down the pan because nobody's buying his little silver um, images anymore. And so um, he, he should have thought of making, he, he didn't think of just appealing to a different market. He could have made communion cups, couldn't he? But he didn't think of that. Instead, <laughs> instead he gets into this whole process of, of causing, a, um, causing a riot in the city. And it says in Acts 19, verse 28, it says, And when they heard this, they were furious, and they began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus. How do you say that? Aristarchus. That can't be right. Ari- Hello, my name's Aristarchus, and... Uh- I represent a fine and ancient group of noble people from the South End. We believe in uh, sunbathing au naturel. When I say ancient, I don't mean it's been going for long. I just mean everyone's over age 75. And, uh, <laughs> the people seized Gaius and <laughs> his name has got to be Aristarchus, isn't it? 
Ari Starkers. A-R-I-S-T-A-R-C-H-U-S. Ari Starkers. What else could it be? And Paul's travelling companions. No wonder they arrested him. (laughs) (laughs) Paul's travelling companions from Macedonia. And all of them rushed into the theatre together. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd. (laughs) But the disciples would not let him in. Some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theatre. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some were shouting another. They were going, Harry, Harry, Harry. Most of the people people didn't even know why they were there. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander to the front and they shouted instructions to him. He motioned for silence in order to make a defence before the people, but they realised he was a Jew and they shouted in unison for two hours, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. What an incredible story of just complete pandemonium from a crowd of people that had no knowledge or understanding, a blind mind, blind eyes and completely not knowing whatsoever why they were there or what they were doing. They just went with the crowd and they just kept shouting, confused, because they couldn't see the truth. Do you know there was a recent, um, I'll say recent, it was on a few years ago, they were discussing uh, a riot that had taken place against, uh, it was one of the, um, in uh, Iran, one of the, um, uh, one of the, uh, what do you call where the ambassador goes? The embassies, one of the embassies, the British embassy, I believe it was, and some people had been killed, and, and this riot came, and they wanted to hunt down the people who caused the riot, and it was one of those kind of, you know, quite dangerous reporting um, as they sort of worked into the crowd, and they finally found the man who had or- orchestrated the riot, and he didn't even know why he had orchestrated the riot, he'd just been told to by somebody else, and then they found some of the people who were in the riot, and they didn't even know why they were in the riot, they'd been told something completely different. So all these people, were, we see in the news, uh, Iranians st- st- throwing stones at the British, and we think it's for one thing, but the people there have got no idea why, why they're doing it, they think it's for something completely different. Why does that happen? Because people's minds are blind and ignorant to what the truth really is. And you know, you may say, look at situations like that. Yes, well, that wouldn't happen in our world. I can tell you it happens every single day. Happens every day. Anything you read on Facebook pretty much is a lie. In fact, I was about to say 95% of what you read on Facebook is a lie, and that's also a lie. And... uh, You read all these amazing news stories that actually aren't in the news. Yeah, if it's not in the news and it's on Facebook, it's not the news. And uh, so <laughs> somebody's made it up. And people, so people are believing these things and they're getting thousands of likes. And they're, why, why does it happen? Because their minds are blind to the truth. They haven't found out what the answer is. And I want to tell you that our faith is identical because what happens is that we get swept along by what is going on, swept along by disappointment, swept along by confusion, swept along because our minds are blind to what is the truth because we can't see what God is revealing to us. You know, there's a story of a man who had a son and his son was demon-possessed. He would have these fits and would be thrown into the fire. He, would, um, he had a, 
uh, a deaf and dumb and mute spirit. And he, was, and he brought this man, brought him to the disciples that he might be healed. Now Jesus um, was away um, with uh, two of the disciples. And when he came back, he sees the disciples trying to cast the demon out and they couldn't. And, and Jesus says, look, you must believe. And the father says to him, let me read this to you in, um, in Matthew's gospel verse 24 and it says immediately the father boy's father exclaimed I do believe help me overcome my unbelief do you know I believe that there is probably the greatest description of the Christian condition than I have ever met anywhere in the whole Bible I do believe if I asked every single one of you I would discover this I do believe oh Jesus help my unbelief I know I believe. You know what? I've discovered this. I've discovered about the truth of God. I know I believe, but I know I have unbelief. Because my mind and my eye, I cannot see those things. We become blind. And the key of the kingdom of God is discovering the truth that God wants to open up the kingdom to you. You might see it that you might live in it. If you are confused about an error of your life, if you're confused about something that's happening, it's not because of your confusion. Don't listen to the words that reverberate in your mind or the cliches that happen that go through the Christian Facebook type world where people come up with these different, all these different answers, none of them helpful, none of them useful. They're simply the words of the crowd reverberating around trying to fill the void when the only person who can fill the void and fill the confusion is Jesus Christ. And so we come and we come to that place where we, we need to step back from our own confusion and say to ourselves, I don't get it because I can't see it. Jesus, help me see it. Help me see again more clearly. I feel confused. Lord Jesus, open up to me your kingdom that I might see what is going on, that I may understand how you're working in my life. And so it is that we begin to walk in a greater dimension. I'm going to read to you one more verse. And this is in the New Living Translation. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 16 to 18, it says, but whenever someone turns to the Lord... The veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into his glorious image. Now, we've come to the Lord and the veil has been taken away. What is the veil? The place of confusion that stops us from seeing the fullness of God. The veil that stops us from entering in to the fullness of God's glory for our life. There is a veil that's separated. But when we come to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And then the Bible says, and we are being changed more and more. In other words, we are growing each day as we come to the Lord, 
we are being changed. In other words, the veil is further removed. The confusion is further. If I'm being changed from glory to glory, it means that there was a part of my life that needed improvement. In other words, there was a part of my life that needed greater revelation. There was a part of me that needed to grow. There's a part of me that needs to see and understand. I, I discovered when, I, when I, we went into ministry, I was full of such faith and expectation. I was confident that God could do anything through me. And in that confidence, I saw God do amazing things. The thing that I discovered over the years is that the more you discover, the more you discover that you don't know. <laughs> and it's like you, you, you go and you realize that, oh, hang on a sec. This world is way more confusing than I thought it was. <laughs> the issues are far more complex. People uh, are not easily resolved. Problems are not easily turned, up, um, turned around. Situations are not as easy. It's not as easy as I thought it might be. God didn't run in and everybody got changed and zapped into glory, introduced them to Jesus. They all said, yes, healed, walked away, no more problems. It doesn't work like that. But what does work is when we turn to the Lord, He brings freedom. When we turn to the Lord, He lifts the veil. And when we turn to the Lord, the confusion that rests in your heart is removed and we begin to see once again. And this is the greatest drawer of our hearts is what is it we do a point of time when we go, I don't get it. I can't see it. I don't know. How many of you know that feeling? I can't see it. I want you to know, you know it now, when you get the revelation of what you're looking for and you get that peace and you go, oh, yeah, I get it. And then you journey on and then you'll get to a point where you go, I don't get it. And you feel like you've gone back to the beginning, but you haven't gone back to the beginning. All you've done is gone further on in the journey and you've gotten to the point where the veil needs to move again. Needs to move as you go from glory to glory. You haven't gone back to the beginning. You haven't gotten worse. You haven't gone around in a circle. You've simply journeyed in your life where you've got to the next step where you have to lean on Him because there isn't a point when you've suddenly arrived. There isn't a point when you suddenly, it all just suddenly works for you and the glory of the Lord shines around you. When you wake up in the morning, angels go, and when you're in the shower, everything, you, you just glow. You don't even have to shower. Your armpits smell of roses all the time. It doesn't work like that. And, you know, we are human beings working it out day by day. And that, you know, you, when you, the, you meet with the presence of the Lord and the presence of God is rich and true and you may come home from a Sunday night. Sundays are, are the most precious days. You want to treasure a Sunday. You want to treasure church because these are precious moments that you take with you. You, you can't have this any other day of the week or you can't have this when you know on a Monday it, it's work day do you know what I mean but a Sunday is a precious moment it's a it's a treasure which you want to, when the fellowship is drawn together meeting with God in such richness that that is so special and you treasure those moments and you you carry that with you and you've met with God on a Sunday and you get carrying that with you on into Monday knowing that you just got to get into work and routine and all the normal things that you have to do to get through life and and so you're carrying this and so it is you can't ever arrive 
because you must always be dependent on the presence of the Lord. If you've arrived, then you don't need Him. But now you need Him. Every day you need Him. Every day you are being brought into that place where you say, Jesus, fill me with your Spirit again because I want to know more freedom. I want to understand. I want to see it that I might live in it. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com.